and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the David Wagner to my Jurgen Klopp. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Hey up, Justin. Hope all is well. I was wondering if you fancy starting off the show with another quote from my big book of Neil Warnock quotes. Is that all right with you? Keep them coming. I need them in my life. I need Good the inspiration. Stuff. Well, I'm, I'm happy to provide it to you. Can you give me a page number, please? 23. 23. Uh, okay, so we've got three here. Um, he was joking about preparations for Cardiff's daunting cup tie against Man City. It's been the easiest week of training. We've just been chasing shadows to get used to it. <laughs> Good. Like that. Typical Warnock. Um, Warnock on why he just cannot retire from football. More comebacks than Sinatra. I can't let the game go. Fair enough. The thing is, no one's going to understand that Sinatra reference because majority of football fans are now young. I don't really understand it, to be honest. Did he just come oh. back all the time? I he guess so. <laughs> did he? Did he? What? Did he come back and manage football clubs? Frank Sinatra, the MLS. Maybe. Maybe, Maybe. he did. He did it his way. Um, <laughs> and the final one is this, and this is him referring to his nickname, Colin Wanker. Um, <laughs> Well, if the person thinks it's funny, then so be it. I'm not against anything that makes people laugh. I'm all for that. And I've certainly been called a lot worse. You know what? That's, that's, a, good, that's a good mindset, isn't it? Fair play, Neil. Fair play. You are a gentleman. A gentleman. Although I think we had a quote the other week. It wasn't very gentlemanly. But we yes. did not that. <laughs> Literally last week. <laughs> well, anyway, welcome to the New One Championship Podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. No midweek games, so we're going to be doing another round of opening your mail. It's a Q&A. So we've uh, asked for listeners to send in their questions on Twitter or X. And... Um, and so we're going to answer some of them right here. And I'm also going to do some of the championship news from the past few days as well. And another round of footballers, our listeners, have met in strange places. Um, but before we get on with today's show, ladies and gentlemen, we have a special announcement. We're giving away not one, not two, but three copies of Football Manager 2024 for free. To be in with a chance of winning, all you have to do is leave the show a five-star review, screenshot it, and then email secondtierpod at gmail.com with the subject line Football Manager 2024 competition. We'll reveal the winner on next Thursday's show, so you've got to move quickly, ladies and gents, and it will take you barely any time at all. And you could be the lucky recipient of the brand new Football Manager game. Um, so leave us a five-star review, screenshot it, and then email secondtierpod at gmail.com with the subject line Football Manager 2024 competition. Simple as that. And you could be getting a free copy of Football Manager 2024. You play it, don't you, Justin? I play it religiously. So welcome to the rest of your lives, ladies and gents. If you win that... Your social life, your relationships, they mean nothing because Football Manager means everything. <laughs> That's the exact reason why I've forced myself not to play it. <laughs> I Trust me, trust me, Justin, when I say this, I've been wanting to play it so much, but I thought <laughs> if I dive in with my traditional save of Leamington Spa and trying to get them from National League South to the Champions League again, it will succumb my life. So I've just tried mm -hmm. to avoid it. But whoever gets it, it's going to be a roller coaster. I can tell you that for sure. Right, let's answer some of the listeners' questions, Justin. This first one is from Philip Day, and he wants to know how the three teams who got promoted last season do if they were in the Championship. 
this season, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because it's a very different championship this season to mm -hmm. the one we yeah. had last year. But what do you think, Peachy Boy? What I mean, what variables are we are we hitting hitting the ball with here? Is it going to be a case of is it their current squads in the Premier League and how they suit, or is it last season's no championship? No, no side? this season's squads, which they have right okay. now in the Premier League. I think that makes it a fair bit easier. I think Luton Town will, will probably fare the, the the best out of um, out of the three teams in the championship this season, um, mainly because. Uh, They've got variables and principles that I just don't think a lot of teams are as good at. It's you know it's the hard running, it's the um, it's the attitude, the application in which they play. They've got Kenilworth Road on their side, which is I know it's a bit of a cliche now, but <clears throat> having a ground like that and fans over the top of you and it not being a comfortable experience for visiting teams, I think that's going to play a huge role. And then they do have quality as well. You know, Carlton Morris. I mean, everyone knows how much we love. Carlton Morris on his show, uh, Elijah Idebayo, Alfie Doherty's been brilliant, Jordan Clark is um, a superb footballer, and I'm just naming a few. There are so many good players in that squad. Um, but I think it comes down to those principles because they don't have a bigger budget than everybody else. I think they need characters and they need, a they need players with a desire to succeed and prove something. And I think that goes a long way. So I think Luton Town will fare the best. I'm quite sceptical on Burnley because I don't think their recruitment's been great for this summer uh, or last summer sorry and Sheffield United I think will struggle because no Ilham and Ndiaye not a chance yeah well I think the headline here is both Sheffield United and Burnley are in my opinion weaker this season than they actually were last season when they were in the mm -hmm. championship Sheffield United 100% Burnley I think their recruitment has massively let them down. I mean, I was giving it the big leaks when they got promoted saying something along the lines of they're more likely to finish in the top half in the Premier League um, than they were than they would be to get relegated. And unfortunately, <laughs> my optimism in them was completely misplaced because I didn't realise their recruitment would be so shocking. I also didn't realise Vincent Company would be pretty much sticking to exactly the same philosophy in the Premier League as, a, as he was in, in the Championship. But look, that, that football is more suited to the Championship, isn't it, than a, a relegation-fighting uh, Premier League team. So maybe they would be all right, but I would... Um, I would struggle to see them competing alongside this top four. I think they would maybe be looking playoffs. Um, but Luton, Luton are the interesting one. Obviously, they're having a fantastic season and have strengthened compared to last season. Yeah. They just have an innate ability to identify players who perfectly fit their system and take their games to the next level. I mean, most of their starting eleven are full of players who were in the championship last season, bar the likes of Ross Barkley and Laconga in midfield. But some of the players they have signed, I don't think would have attracted the interest of the likes of Leicester, Leeds up Southampton. But... I mean, Ogbeni and Mengi are examples of that, but they've been ex excellent for Luton this season. So to answer the question, I think they'd be right amongst the automatic promotion race, possibly even challenging for the title, because keep in mind, they weren't far off the top two last season. They're much stronger now. They've got more financial backing. Rob Edwards is a fantastic manager. So I think they would fare very well if they're in the championship this season. I think if they did get relegated from the Premier League um, this season, then... Um, I would fancy them to be right amongst the promotion battle again next season because they're just such a brilliantly run club. I don't know if you agree with that, Justin. 
I, I agree with that. I think there would be. I think it's quite difficult to really hammer hammer down whether they'll be competing with Southampton, Leeds, and and um, and Leicester. But at the same time, Ipswich are doing it, and they're probably in a similar mould to, to Luton, where they have to recruit a little bit differently because they simply just don't have the same budget as other sites. So I, I do think Luton would be would be up there challenging, and and it's that upward trajectory that they've been on, isn't it? Because that next step would would have probably been if they didn't get promoted in the playoffs last season that upward trajectory would have been competing for automatics this season um, and I don't doubt that I'm just going to touch on Sheffield United as well because I think we need to we've not really spoke about them too much in this um, on this question but again you've got to consider how, how much their ownership issues um, would impact them and obviously Chris Wilder coming back in and they're probably going to have to sell some more key players to raise funds it's quite an ugly situation at Bramwell Lane which is quite staggering really because we had a lot of optimism for them last season. Last season, yeah. I don't think I had much optimism for them heading into the Premier League. No, this no, season. zero. No, zero. No, no, absolutely no. zero. I'm, I'm glad we, we got that straightened <laughs> out. Um, yeah, I mean, we're almost guaranteed to see Sheffield United back in the Championship next season. And I mean, a lot has got to change for them to be considered a contender for promotion as things stand, haven't they? Because it's been pretty shocking. Uh, following on from that question, though, this is from Muad, who's who's asked this. He says, uh, who's better, Burnley last year or this year's Leicester? Now, this isn't a straight answer, really, is it, based off what we were just saying? Because the Burnley from last season is very different to the Burnley from this season. As I say, in my opinion, the Burnley from last year were much stronger than the Burnley that they... The, yeah. the side they've currently got in the Premier League. Having said that, I would still say Leicester, Justin, just because for me, this Leicester team is one of the strongest we've ever seen at Championship level in terms of the quality in that starting eleven and the quality in depth as well. It's just ridiculous levels that they've got, isn't it? Whereas Burnley were very good last season. Burnley were one of the best teams I think we've seen at Championship level, but Leicester are just a ridiculous animal. I, I agree to an extent and I'm going to consider a couple of other sort of outside factors here. I think I don't think Burnley had a as competitive run for the title. Um, I think with Leicester, obviously it, this season looked like they were running away with it um, at, at Canter, but they have been caught up because Leeds and Southampton and Ipswich are just so relentless. I don't think Burnley had that because the nearest challenge was Sheffield United who had a lot of injury problems last season. So it's quite hard to really understand whether or not Burnley were better than Leicester or they were just simply they didn't have that pressure that Leicester do um, and for that reason I think I will choose Leicester that being said if you were to give me the choice of choosing a season ticket at Burnley last season and Leicester this season I think I would choose Burnley last season I think they're a side that entertain me for uh, much more than Wait, say that again um, if you were to give me a choice of a season ticket and a time machine oh right for to watch purposes, them right to okay. watch them yeah yeah um, yeah, season ticket and a time machine. It would be Burnley last season compared to Leicester this season. I think that Burnley team of last season, the 22-23... Are you accusing so well Leicester of being boring, Justin? I would not do such a thing. How <laughs> dare you? How dare you, Ryan? But yes, they are boring. And I think that Burnley side are a lot more entertaining. Um, they, they they possess so much quality. And I think I wouldn't say they were better drilled because I don't think that's quite the case in my Lack of professional eye might not be able to really drill into that, but they looked an insane outfit. They were so slick with their passing and movement. It was telepathic and they were a little bit more on the front foot than Leicester. So therefore, I would choose Burnley over Leicester in terms of watching them. But for this question, probably this year's Leicester are better than Burnley. Last year's Burnley. 
This is from Fraser Weller, who has this question. Who's been the most disappointing player in the championship this season? And um, there wasn't one who massively stood out for me in this respect, Justin. I think I've got a few names who come to mind, but there wasn't one who stood out stood out too much for me, who immediately came to my, to my head. I mean, Jed Spence at Leeds is an obvious one because... Yeah. I mean, his attitude has clearly just let him down. It seems like he's increasingly becoming a bit of a waste of talent. Ross Stewart obviously got the big move to Southampton, but injuries have meant that he's been restricted to a handful of minutes this season. Ryan Manning's an interesting one who I had really, who had quite a lot of excitement when he joined Southampton. I don't think he's done terribly, but I don't think he's been as good as he was last season. No. And then you've got Zion Fleming as well, who was very disappointing in the first half of the season, but seems to be finding a bit of form now. Ditto Ellis Sims as well. But the one who I think stood out amongst the rest for me was Pierre Equa at Sunderland. Now, what I'm basing that off is his form in the second half of last season with Sunderland. He was phenomenal in the middle of the park for them. I remember a lot of Sunderland fans comparing him to Yaya Toure because he was just so dominant in the middle of the park. He was influencing games so much. He was winning the ball back and then being you know, dynamic with it when he, he was going forwards. But this season, he's not been the same player. I think he started off all right. I mean, I remember he got those two goals from distance against Southampton, didn't they, in that, in that demolition job that they did. But then I think he got injured and since then his form has not been as good. I was really expecting him to use last season as a bit of a platform for him to go on and be a star man for Sunderland this season. And, you know, I mean, overall for Sunderland, it has been a pretty disappointing season as a whole. That's mainly down to, you know, Mick Beale. Um, yeah. But at the same time, Equa, even when he's playing under Mowbray, wasn't playing fantastically, which is, which is disappointing because he could have really been the best midfielder in the Championship this season, despite some of the players who have come down from the Premier League. He could have been that good, but he's just not. He's been, he's been pretty poor in terms of handling the ball and, you know, giving it, giving it away and just being dispossessed on a regular basis. He's still got plenty of potential. He's still a young lad who could go on to quite a lot, but I don't think he's hit the heights that I was expecting this season. So that's why I would go Pierre Acqua as my most disappointing player. Before I get to mine, I just, I don't know if you're being too harsh or not. Um, I think... Well, put it this way, Justin. I, we put out this question on the second tier Twitter um, in uh, earlier in the week and Pierre Acqua was probably the player who was picked the most. And... Um, yeah. And that gave me even more courage to come up with this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'd need it with some of that. I don't know. I think maybe it's the eye test that's maybe deceiving me a little bit because I, when I've watched him play, I have been impressed. I do like him as a player. I think he breaks play up. I think his choice of pass can let him down sometimes, but he's young. He's, would, you he's agree, would you agree though, Justin? Like He was so good last season, wasn't he? And he could have been one of the best midfielders in the championship this season, but he's just not been, has he? But you've got to bear in mind he's, he's young and there's a lot of there's a lot of young players at Sunderland. I know, there's a lot just of inconsistency. He's meant to be taking his game to a next level. He's he's just not, has he? I think last season again that was his first flurry into like proper first team football, consistent first team football, and that was at the point where Sunderland were riding the crest of a wave. So I think that can really lure people into a false sense of potential and quality because a lot of players were probably outperforming and overachieving last season, as Moby did in getting Sunderland to the playoffs. I think going into this season, a bit of a reality check. It's a young side. They're naive and Pierre Quay falls into that category. So I think that's where it comes down to. I think he will go on to be a very, very good player. Um, 
I just don't know if it's if it's harsh or not saying he's been disappointed. I mean, he's played twenty eight games. He's got he's got four goals to his name, and a couple of assists. He's, I mean, it's I a very okay. it's a very subjective thing, isn't it? And in my yeah. view, I was expecting him to do bits this season, and he hasn't. So that's why it's quite disappointing in my mind. Who would you go for, Justin? Um, I think the first name that came to my head was Scott Twine for this because I I bigged that signing up considerably for Hull, and I just don't think he got into his stride that we expected that anybody expected that Hull fans expected because of his I mean injuries that haven't helped him and we saw flashes of brilliance and we saw some really good creative numbers in his sort of first four or five games and then it sort of just faded a little bit and it wasn't because Hull weren't in form they haven't had a bad run of form um, it might have just been you know he didn't really fit the system and he's gone to Bristol City and again probably still finding his feet a little bit under Liam Manning but I think that's a move that will probably pay off in the, at some point um, but ultimately injuries hampered him last season at Burnley and I think there's a little bit of a hangover going into this season we've just not seen the Scott Twine that maybe everybody expected to, to see because that season for MK Dons in League One a couple of years ago was incredible and we've not quite seen that Um. Now, I think you're being harsh. Um, wow. I, d- wow. I, I don't think Scott Twine, I don't think I put him down as the most disappointing because I don't think he's, I think he's just kind of hit a level, you see, where I think he's, um, he's, he's not been bad. He's not been good. I wouldn't say he's been disappointing. I wouldn't say he's been better than I expected. I think he's just been, I think he's just carried on from last season, really, with Burnley, where he had his moments where you thought, God, he is a talented player. And I'll admit he hasn't um, maybe taken the step forward in his career that I think many people were hoping he would do, particularly at Hull. Um, But I don't think he was particularly disappointing. I just just think he's just kind of a level where he was okay as opposed to disappointing for me, Justin. Maybe. Um, I think that probably comes down to, again, like we're comparing him to a season that was unworldly wasn't it with MK Dons 20 yeah. goals 13 assists or whatever it was it was ridiculous an incredible an incredible start and then we saw flashes of brilliance when he was fit for Burnley and again you're sort of thinking right he's going to come in he's going to rip it up and he hasn't ripped it up he's just peeled he's just peeled he's just peeled things back a little bit he's peaked at the labels he's not really he's not really you know he's not really buying the t-shirt or whatever it is he's not really bothered oh no that's probably probably harsh but as I say I think, he's, I think there's a talented player there and I think it's just a case of finding a system, getting settled and playing it. And I think that's where Bristol City will get the best out of him if he moves there permanently. Hope he does because Liam Manning, Scott Twine in the southwest, it just works. Yeah, you'd have thought that would be the best place for him, wouldn't it, back under his old manager. And, and the final question we'll have Justin this time around is this. This is from Leif Davis's left foot's big toenail. Um at least that's what the Twitter name is anyway. Um, <laughs> they ask, who is the best streets won't forget player? Um, I mean, my, my first question with this is, what is the definition of a streets won't forget player? I usually think it's someone who stood out above the rest in a team they were in, more often than not, is very much a flair player and then tends to do not much of note in the rest of their career. Um, yeah. I mean, the obvious one is a Delta out, but that's a bit of a... That's just a bit of a home run, really, isn't it? Which I, I don't really want to take. So I think I think it differs from club to club, doesn't it? And whichever club you support, you will have a different answer here. I mean, 
one who I always think of and doesn't really get mentioned much as a streets won't forget player is Matthias Pereira at West Brom because I mean in our first season covering the championship Justin <laughs> it was an utter joy watching Matthias Pereira play for West Brom because he was phenomenal wasn't he his dribbling his showboating his passing I mean what is it that Twitter account sexy passes whatever they're called they would have a field day with Matthias Pereira <laughs> wouldn't they um, because that was, he, he was just so good during that West Brom season and I mean scoring goals as well he scored some spectacular free kicks in that time as well but he was he was the catalyst for West Brom in that promotion season and then since then he went to the Middle East and is now playing back in Brazil I think he, he yeah. could have been he could have been playing at the highest level, but wasn't. Um, but we had that time when he was at West Brom and it was beautiful to see, wasn't it? Who, who would you say is your um, best streets won't forget player, Justin? I have delved into the vaults for this one. Here we go. And I hope, and I hope you do remember him. I've got me with Ricardo Vaste. <laughs> yes, I've got, how could I forget? <laughs> Ricardo Vazte playing on the fringes for years after coming through at Bolton didn't get his career going until he must have been 22-23 at Barnsley um, he scored 10 in 22 for them in the 11-12 season and then scored another 10 in 15 for West Ham after moving to them in January that season and helped them get into the playoffs under Sam Allardyce and obviously scored the winner against Blackpool in the final and then didn't really do anything after that I think there was a couple of flurries in other countries I did come back to Charlton um, but just in terms of a goal scorer and you know a bit of a clutch player at championship level, scoring in big games, albeit for one season, he's a player that springs to my mind when this name came up. And I was, I was, I didn't want to go for the cliche type footballer. So I was like, okay, well, you know, there's a Lee Trundle in there somewhere, but he didn't really flourish at championship level, and everyone knows who he is. Ricardo Vazte, ladies and gents, watch his highlights reel. One season wonder at championship level, incredible stuff. I'll tell you what, Justin, that is a great, great shout. But ladies and gentlemen, by all means, if you have a Streets Won't Forget player who is at your club, let us know. I'm incredibly intrigued because I think it is one of those, Justin, isn't it, where it's it's different from club to club depending on who you support. So, listener, we're putting out the call to you. Who is your club's most Streets Won't Forget player? Let us know. Email us at secretarypod at gmail.com with your suggestion and your club, of course, and why they are such a streets won't forget player. Um, so secretarypod at gmail.com, your club's biggest streets won't forget player. Let us know. Um, so that's the Q&A. We, um, we won't, it won't be the last time we do this, ladies and gentlemen. It won't be the last time we do a Q&A this season. So keep in mind your questions. And uh, next time we put out the call on social media, make sure you get in touch with your questions. And I'm sure we will answer them soon. Sorry that we couldn't get through more on this show, but uh, we will do another Q&A in the near future. But Justin, let's take a quick break. After that, we'll talk about some of the news from the Championship over the past few days.
Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. So let's talk about some of the news from the Championship over the past few days. And we'll start off with an unfortunate one, Justin, because Coventry ringer Tatsuhiro Sakamoto is set to miss the rest of the season. It's after he was taken off with an injury in the loss to Preston last Friday. The nature of the injury hasn't been revealed, but he fell awkwardly and was taken to hospital. Mark Robbins says the most important thing is he will recover. That's such a huge blow isn't it, Justin? He's been so good for Kov over the last three months. Such an entertaining player as well. And the fact that he's going to be, we're not going to see him again for the rest of the season. It's quite, quite upsetting, really. Yeah, upsetting, disappointing, and obviously a massive blow for Sakamoto, who has been a revelation, really, since he came in. And uh, I think if he would have carried on the season, you'd, you'd put him in a category of one of the signings of the season, an underrated player of the season, because he's, he's a player who... I don't think I've given enough credit. I've said this before uh, in a couple of episodes in, the, in, in previously this season. He's been fantastic. Um, and look, he's, he's got a great centre of gravity. He's got great balance. You get the ball into tight areas. You can wiggle out of them. He's that sort of player. And I think nine goal contributions in 29 for a player coming into a new country in virtually a new team, I think is a really good return. So I think he's disappointing that he's going to be out. It's a huge blow for Coventry as well, who need the depth they need the quality in the final third because they're going for the playoffs um, so not having a player like Sakamoto and his, his abilities is going to be is going to be tricky to handle but hopefully Robbins can find something in, um, to, to replace him because he's going to be a huge huge uh, huge loss yeah well I think you touched on something really important to remember here Justin that this is a guy in his mid-twenties who's just moved here with English not as his first language so it must be quite difficult for him and now he's had this blow so hopefully we can see him back fully fit again next season whichever league that will be in we don't know what his injury is though so maybe it's one that misses means he misses the start of next season but whatever the case it is a big blow to Coventry's top six hopes they had an exciting front four developing with him Callum O'Hare Hadji Wright and Ellis Sims they're also missing their best player in Ben Sheaf for at least another mm-hmm. month so I mean, they've got depth to cover it, but all this may require a bit of Mark Robbins moving stuff around to make it work as after we, as we saw with that bruising loss to Preston last Friday. Speaking of Preston, I think it's worth talking about what a turnaround they've had, by the way. <laughs> 13 points from an available 15. Where on earth has this come from, Justin? Yeah, it's that meme, isn't it? How'd you get up there? I don't know, I fell. <laughs> That's what it is. It's an accidental run for the playoffs. Is, is everyone falling back in Preston? Sorry, is everyone in Preston falling back in love with Ryan Lowe? Because you, you could have argued at various points this season he was losing his job and the fans. Um, but you're right, they, they've been lurking around the playoffs virtually all season, which has meant a good run of form will push them up. I'm not going to get carried away because... They did the same thing last season, if you remember. Mm, yeah. And they fell away eventually because ultimately the squad's just not got enough quality within it. But look, ride that crest of a wave. Enjoy it, Preston fans. Hopefully, like it should have done last season, but it didn't. Hopefully it leads to a bit of a, uh, a building block to a you know, bona fide playoff push next season. Who knows? Yeah. Well, it's a turnaround that I definitely didn't see coming because it looked as if Preston's season was simply fading away and there was very little to indicate that things would get better but fair play to Ryan Lowe the underlying data shows they've tightened up at the back and have been very clinical in front of goal it helps when Emil Reese has transformed into Harry Kane <laughs> four goals from four games for him he, he's actually a really good striker isn't yeah, he and yeah. they've sorely missed him while he's been out but Alan Brown's been excellent as well he's truly been playing like a man who's out of contract in the summer that's uh, <laughs> Frakia Jensen has finally been starting games which always seems strange that 
he wasn't, but yeah, fair play to Ryan Lowe. The majority of Preston fans wanted him out a couple of months ago. Now he's got them right in contention for the playoffs. And I don't think many people saw that coming a couple of months ago. The London Evening Standard is reporting that Fulham striker Rodrigo Muniz is in contention to be called up to the Brazilian national team. The 22-year-old has been in great form recently. Now, people may be wondering why we're talking about a Premier League striker. But Justin, the reason I wanted to bring this up was because this time last year, Muniz was in the championship on loan at Middlesbrough and was shite. He was behind Matt Crooks in the pecking order up front. Now he's about to be called up for Brazil. That's a ridiculous turnaround. <laughs> Talk about, yeah, to, I can't, I'm trying, I'm trying to find words to sort of um, compose myself with this bit of news because it is incredible. And he did truly look hopeless at times for Middlesbrough. He wasn't trusted by Carrick to be a starter and he struggled as well. Initially, when he moved to Fulham, albeit in the shadow of uh, Alexander Mitrovic, but to be fair to him, he's got a good physical profile. And Fulham did shelve a lot of money on bringing him over um, over to Craven Cottage. And they are finally getting some reward. But it is worth pointing out that Brazil's checkered history with the number nine shirt mm. is probably coming into this because they have had some really shit strikers. Now, I'm not saying Rodrigo Munez is really shit compared to the rest of Brazil and the history. You know, the likes of Fred, Leandro Damiao, Rick Carlison, Joe... The big guy was at Everton, okay. Neil Marr, Villarreal. They're really poor compared to the other, some of, some of the other talented forwards. So I'm not saying Muniz is crap. I'm just saying sometimes Brazil need a number nine and they go for the one in four. Justin, I can't believe in that list you've missed out one of the most shocking Brazilian call-ups I can remember in recent history. I was genuinely stunned when I saw this man had a Brazil cap to his name. Wesley at Stoke. Oh, shit. Yeah, he, there you go. He has been called up to the Brazilian national team. He has been appalling at Stoke this season. And it's, he was playing for Brazil literally five years ago, I think. Um, maybe even within that time frame. But that that that's the most shocking call-up of all. But with Muniz, I mean, I, I, do, I get what you mean. It doesn't take much for a Brazilian striker to get called up to the national team which sounds ridiculous because it is the Brazilian national team but um, it does seem like sometimes all you need is a good vein of form and suddenly you're in contention um, I mean he was really good once he for Fulham in their promotion season he was obviously second fiddle to Alexander Mitrovic but I didn't expect him to have any sort of you know, game time like this, let alone scoring as many goals as he has been um, because he was shocking at Middlesbrough last season. So, you know what? Fair play to him. He's uh, he's proved many people on side wrong and uh, maybe us as well. Now, it seems as if we have a fan in the championship, Justin, which is uh, not maybe one we expected, but it's none other than Liverpool manager Jurgen Klopp. He said this week, I love the championship. I watched Leeds v Leicester last week. Wow. The football intensity in the championship is absolutely insane. Saw West Brom recently, a real football playing idea. Ipswich as well. The league is incredibly difficult. One of us, one of us, one of us. I wasn't a massive Jurgen Klopp fan, Justin, but coincidentally, my opinions changed on him quite significantly after this. Uh, I, yeah, I'm just going to draw back to that. Saw West Brom recently, a real football playing idea quote from Klopp there. And he's literally just said, West Brom play football. <laughs> <laughs> so now I'm sceptical because I had this whole thing planned to say. Um, but look, he's out of work in the summer, isn't he? And if he loves the championship so much, let's get him involved. Yeah, yeah. But, but we do three shows a week. 
That sounds very congested for him. He doesn't like fixture congestion. Fine. Okay, fine. So is he gonna is he gonna enjoy recording three times? I don't think he is. Right, you mean involved with us? I thought you meant involved as a championship club. Oh no, 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 Getting, no! Being um, probably replacing you, to be honest with you. I think it would just be very irritating very quickly, to be honest. And he, he would lose his rag quite a lot with you, just in with some of your fucking opinions. Um, and finally, this is... Uh, oh, God. <laughs> so this is from one world-class manager to one who's not necessarily world-class. Um, the YouTuber KSI claims former Birmingham boss Wayne Rooney messaged him at four o'clock in the morning asking him if he wanted a boxing match. He apparently sent this message in December 2022 and said, Hi, mate, what do you think on me and you having a boxing fight? I think we can generate a lot of money. Now, I was looking into this. He would have been manager at DC United at the time. So that shows how much he was focusing on that job. But he is desperate to get into this boxing game, isn't he? There were a few rumours a few weeks ago about him, you know, potentially doing one for KSI's boxing promotion. Mm-hmm. Again, does he need to do this, Justin? <laughs> no, he's desperate to stay relevant, I think, which is a shame because, well, I don't really know what to make of his manager career, but he's just desperate to stay relevant. And I think when footballers sort of maybe retire and they're not, maybe not as good managers as they thought they'd be and don't have a success, they maybe lose a little bit of that touch um, and just want to grab hold of anything. And he doesn't need to, you are right, but I think it's just a footballer's way of, desperation to to still be in the limelight sometimes um, and I think it's probably the case a little bit with, with Wayne Rooney but yeah I, he doesn't need to do it he shouldn't need to tarnish his reputation because that would absolutely tarnish his reputation and he would not manage again I don't think um, in, in the UK that is if he yeah. was to take that yeah, well, I wonder what kind of job he would get in the UK next, even if he didn't go into the boxing route, because I'm not sure he'd have many suitors up to his expectations, I think. Um, yeah, Rooney, Rooney, he's a very rich man. He's earned a lot of money from football over the years. So why, why does he think he needs to earn more money from boxing? I just don't get it. I mean, I follow him on Instagram and he advertises some proper tat I mean <laughs> I, I saw not too long ago he and his family were advertising some sort of ball where it's on a string and you tie it, you have a strap around your head the strap is tied to a, a, a string and then the string is tied to a ball right. and what you what you have to do is you have to try and punch it and see how many um, jabs he's training, you can get he's training, he's training already for his boxing match I'm not sure that's great training. Um, but the point is, why is he advertising stuff like that? It's, it really bamboozles me. I can't imagine he's making much money from the um, <laughs> ball tied to head game. Um, but uh, just, uh, just, just to retire, Wayne, you, you can just surely afford to just live out the rest of your days, just going on holiday, traveling the world with Colleen and the kids and what have you. And Jack. Yeah, he doesn't need it. He doesn't need it. And we don't need it either. Because again, he's not really charismatic. So he's not really an interesting personality in a boxing match is he just yeah go into punditry and we can just fill fill the urms with tactical analysis or just go manage in the middle east it's basically the same thing isn't it because no one cares <laughs> how you do over there um, but there you go ladies and gentlemen we've gone from talking about one world class manager showing his appreciation for the greatest league in the world to one manager who was in it literally this season and wants to fight YouTubers now. Um, let's finish off, Justin, with a round of footballers our listeners have met in strange places. And this first one is from Marcus Alley. He says, I saw Morgan Fox and Julian Spironi 
on the same day at Blue Water Shopping Centre when I was suit shopping for my year 11 prom. Speroni had an entourage with him and was clearly better prepared to be recognised than Fox, who was in his first year as a first-team footballer at Charlton. Fox scurried out of Zara quickly after I approached him as an innocent young fan wanting a photo to the point where I was getting out of breath from speed walking next to him just to keep up as he towered over me. I gave up as he went down the escalator. I imagine he's much better at handling these kinds of situations. Now, the reaction <laughs> makes me wonder if he was one of the first times he was recognised in his own clothes. Cheers. Love the pod. I don't think... If, Mar- if Morgan Fox walked in here and punched me right now, I don't think I'd recognise him, Justin. Uh, you're probably right, actually. Um, I don't think I would either. I, he's, he's, I know he's got dark hair. And that's about it. Yeah. And that's about it. That's all I can really remember. Um and he, if you if you were to like throw something at him, he might control it with his left foot because I know he's left footed as well. So yeah, you're, you're probably right. But the Julian's probably having throw an answer something at him <laughs> because he's just walked into my house. It's an intruder. Of course, I'm going to throw something at him. Okay, fine, fine. That makes that makes a bit more sense now. Um, but yeah, fair play to Marcus for actually recognising him because I bloody certainly wouldn't. I, I would have recognised Julian Speroni. I mean, oh god, yes, it's, it's, I'd have been clamouring for Speroni. I'd, oh, absolutely. I'd be, give, give, give me a selfie. Give me anything, Julian. Just give me love. Love me, Julian. Hug me, please. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This is from Shay Yazdi. He's messaged in with, I met Carlos Cuellar in a pub in Tel Aviv. He was having a big plate of vegetables and we discussed his legendary villa side, living in Israel and veganism. Top lad. Um, Sounds like your kind of man, Justin. My guy. My guy, Carlos. (laughs) Living it up in a... Sunny place, eating vegan food. What 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 else can can you not want in your I, life? I tell you what, his um, we were talking about streets won't forget. Yeah, his Villa team was a streets won't forget team. Once it what was it, it really Melberg, Lawson in defence, Stephen Warnock I think, uh, Stuart Downing, John Carew, Brad Guzan, Stylian Petrov. Or I may be getting my years mixed up here, but he I think it was that he was there around that time and that was that was one of my most fondly thought of uh, Premier League teams. It certainly was. Um, Dan Nuttall has got in touch. Curlo Torre showed me how to use the airport trolleys in Charles de Gaulle Airport. Um if it was anything like his Wigan spell, I can only assume he managed to crush it and get stuck underneath the trolley. <laughs> there is no way. <laughs> I'm not going to say this person's a liar, but I, I'm having serious doubts that Kodo Tori knows how to work anything, <laughs> let alone something at an airport. <laughs> Come on now. Kodo, how did you get stuck on the luggage carousel? <laughs> <laughs> Exactly oh, that. Um, and the final one is from Gary Bolton Hadfield. He says, hello, virgins. I once bumped into Gary McAllister in the gift shop of a stately home. He didn't buy anything. Um, may I say, by the way, if you start an email by calling us virgins, I feel even more inclined to read it out because that's what we are just in our, you and me, the listeners. I, I like to think we're all just a massive set of virgins, Justin. <laughs> Yeah, if anyone loves championship football as much as we do, I think you can only define yourself as a virgin, to be honest with you. And it's made worse the fact that on your left shoulder now is a Captain America shield. It's just, mm-hmm. it just, it's perfect for virginism. Oh yeah, well I'm I'm embracing the virginity now, Justin. I think. Uh... I mean, if if, Virgin, if Jürgen Klopp is, um, I was going to call him Virgin, Virgin Klopp. Then. <laughs> Virgin Klopp. <laughs> if, uh, I think if um, if Jürgen Klopp is uh, wanting to join the Virginity Nation, then uh, he's more than welcome to. Because I feel, I feel like it, you're a, 
I saw a quote the other day and I can't remember who it was, but they were saying, oh, I much more enjoyed watching Leeds v Leicester than any of the Premier League games over the weekend. And that person got a load of dog's abuse on social media. And I was like, no, no, he's right. There's more competition in the championship. It's here, a much more entertaining league. Yeah. So if that makes <laughs> us, you know, hipsters or virgins, then we'll embrace that title, damn it. Yeah, come come to us. You're you're with you're one of us. You're with us. One we'll of look us. after you. One of us. Exactly. One of us. <laughs> Give us your virginity. Um, on that note, let's end the show there. I think <laughs> this has been the second day of podcast, and this has been a midweek edition where we've been answering your questions. As I said earlier on. Um, Make sure that uh, you keep any questions in mind for the next time we do a and a It won't be the last time we do a and a this season, ladies and gentlemen. So we will answer your questions. I am sure of that. But we've got a preview show tomorrow sponsored by SBK, where we look ahead to the weekend's games, make some predictions. So we look forward to seeing you then. But this has been the Second Tier Podcast. I have been Ryan Dilks. I have been Justin Peach. And a big thank you for listening. Second Tier is a Stack production and part of the ACAST Creator Network.